1: Mobile Hunter's our buddies over at Tethered are always innovating to keep us more mobile and in the game when it counts. From the Tethered one sticks, the fast pack to the lockdown saddle, Tethered is always designing to increase comfort and utility while reducing bulk, weight and fiddle factor of mobile hunting gear. And now, they've outdone themselves yet again by creating the carbon fiber forged Predator CFX platform, the latest fully featured mobile saddle platform that raises the bar for what's possible in mobile hunting gear. Whether you're new to saddle hunting or an old tree climbing veteran, go to tetherednation.com for all your saddle hunting gear. Welcome to the Truth From a Stand Deer Hunting Podcast. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you're listening to episode number 366. Today, I'm joined by my buddy, Jace Allen, to talk about delivering an easy death and the nature of the beast. So stay tuned. All right, all right, all right. What is up, everyone? Happy Wednesday to you. I hope you're doing well. I hope you are feeling fine. The uh, close of the Pennsylvania gun season has is upon us. So the um, I guess the big push of the season is kind of over. If you're still holding the tag, um, there's still some good hunting out there to be had. Uh, can get a, in some instances, it gets maybe a little bit easier. Some instances, depending on what you have access to, it can be um, can be a little, a little tougher, you know, especially if you don't have any, if you don't have really good destination food, not that it can't be done. Um, but you know, there's destination food sources certainly make it a, uh, it a little easier. I'm going to actually plan to head out and actually not pull cameras, but probably check cameras. I really didn't check cameras this year. I think I checked them. I checked them once up in the North piece on one of the, on one of the hunts that I did up there in, in October. Um so really I don't know, you know, what inventory might be around and how deer are using, you know, different areas and so it's really going to be kind of a nice, you know, learning opportunity for me just to kind of see what we have on um on camera. I'm hoping to maybe get out next weekend, fingers crossed, to kind of do a uh, a camera pull and I did place some cameras in some new areas, so kind of stoked. Um kind of stoked to kind of see what's on that cuz I've kind of I've kind of shied away from checking them so much during the season. I don't check them a lot, but I would often kind of use them as, um, you know, for intel, like in, in the moment. And I feel like that had, hadn't served me really well, and especially whenever I have a bunch of data on, a, on an area. Um, and then I kind of know what's happening for like the past three years or whatever, and I would have a really good plan. And then I get, you know, a couple pieces of information in, in a given week, and then it kind of throws the plan that I kind of laid based on a, a mountain of evidence, if you will, And, uh, I feel like this year, the reason why it was, has been better than the past years was just because I, I focused on what I historically knew and not so much on, you know, what I, what I know kind of in that moment or the real time, you know, information if you, uh, if you will, but my season for the most part has been wrapped up for a little while. So I've just been doing a lot of e-scouting and kind of already, you know, chomping at the bit and making plans for, uh for next year, you know, on the North piece, primarily in, on the North piece, um, in PA. And then kind of started, did a little e scouting in some places in, um, in some plain States, you know, that I'm, I'm kind of considering. And then, um, also doing some, some e scouting in, in Idaho. So I actually, you know, if, if you know, December 1st was the, um, was the deadline or was the lottery drawing, you know, I don't know what you call it. I think it's a lottery is how they kind of refer to it, but uh, for putting in to try to get your, uh, an Idaho tag, if you're planning to hunt um, Idaho elk this year, and I did get a tag. Uh, so I'll be headed out there in September with my buddy, Wilson. Uh, he's got a awesome spot where he had some really good encounters with bulls last year and has really kind of dialed this area of Idaho in. Um, and I'm going to be actually hanging out with a bunch, a, a good group of dudes. So it'll be Wilson myself, um, our buddy Clancy. Uh, it's one of Wilson's good friends from, uh, from where he lives in Idaho. And then a couple of the guys from, uh, North Idaho archery. I think we're going to be hanging out with Jake Kremer. Um, uh, had him on the show a couple of weeks ago. Um, we'll be hanging out with him as well. We're gonna have a little camp, got a killer spot that Wilson kind of, I won't say stumbled into the dude, the dude works hard and finds areas. And so he's got a really good spot. They had some really good action this year. And so that's where we'll be heading. I think the only kind of thing we have to figure out right now is just really when I'm going to kind of, landing country, if you will, because last time I went out, I guess, you know, two years ago, um, or not this past season, but the season prior, I probably got there a little early, you know, was out there for the opener of the, uh, archery elk. Um, and really that was, you know, Wilson's birthday was that weekend. So I wanted to be out there to kind of do that, celebrate it in the mountains and stuff like that, but probably wasn't the best time to be out there for, for chasing bulls. And so I'm going to go a little later in September, just don't know exactly, um, what the date is. But other than that, not a whole lot, uh, not a whole lot of news to report on the, uh, on the hunting front. The only other thing I did this past week was, um, was as I'm getting older for, for, for all you dudes out there that might be, uh, ages might be creeping up on you. Um, I started doing the, uh, ice baths or plunges. I've done something similar to that in the past, you know, going from a sauna to like a, a cold shower type of thing and back and forth. Um, I've done those in the past and and had liked them, but I hadn't really taken the full on, uh, plunge. No, no pun intended. Um, and have added that to the repertoire and so far so good. Uh, I dig it. Uh, I feel good after I do it. Uh, It seems to be helping with recovery from workouts or jujitsu or, or whatever, even if you have hard hunts and you're sore or whatever the case is, or maybe you just, you know, as we all do start getting a little older, uh, things don't work quite the way you would like them to always um, this just seems to be a, a nice way to kind of snap things back into, uh, back into shape. So with that, we're going to go ahead and just jump into today's show. Um, have a cool show for you guys today. Got my good buddy, Jace Allen on. He's been on a couple of times. You guys know him, you love him. He's one of the group, one of the dudes as part of the the group of guys that I kind of refer to as the, uh, the Missouri, the Missouri three or the Missouri killers, uh, that I have on. Um, and Jace is just one of those dudes, man, that is a consummate woodsman. He's constantly learning and striving to be, um, you know, better in the, better in the deer woods. And just the one thing that always kind of struck me about him, you know, early on when he and I met was just his, you know, insatiable kind of quest for whitetail knowledge, no matter where it comes from. And in some of the success that he's had, you, you, you maybe think that he would rest on his laurels a little bit, but he doesn't. And he's always kind of looking for ways to get better and extend into parts of the season that maybe, haven't been as good for him as they've been in the past you know he admittedly you know has kind of mentioned you know November has not been his best kind of time frame he's probably a better early and late season hunter um and that's probably very opposite for a lot of you that are listening right and me included where it's like I always feel like the rut you know that November time frame just when they get a little bit more visible I'm, I tend to have more success um you know uh, typically speaking and that's probably that's probably the case for a lot of guys. Um, but Jace is kind of the opposite. And so, you know, he's really been kind of diving into, um, you know, sharpening his, his knives, if you will, for that November timeframe. And so th- at the time that we recorded this, he was getting ready to head to Illinois and he still had his second, um, Missouri tag to fill. Uh, we talk about the buck that he killed, uh, early, uh, in the earlier part of the season in Missouri, um, which, you know, kind of r- really didn't go the way he wanted it to go. And we spent a lot of time talking about that and, you know, in his, um, his, how he feels his obligation to give these, these critters that we chase a, uh, an easy death and how things might've went sideways for him. And, you know, ultimately he, he rebounded and, and, and found success, but it really all, you know, wasn't the way that he, that he wanted it to, to kind of end. Um, and then he did, you know, we didn't, we talked a little bit about his plans for, you know, later in the season, you know, headed to Illinois and then ultimately that second season for him in Missouri and what his plans were for that. And, uh, and, and you know just give you the kind of the quick update was that he filled both tags as as i expected jace would um as he's just a he's just a straight killer so always love having jace on killer conversation i really dug it i hope you guys dig it as much as i did and as always thank you all for listening all right folks welcome back to another episode of the truth from the stand deer hunting podcast today i got on my buddy he's a you're a multiple time offender now at this point dude i got my buddy uh mr jace allen on tonight what's going on man not a whole lot just uh rolled into my hometown getting ready
2: for thanksgiving here um hoping to get a couple deer on the ground while
1: i'm here on this thanksgiving break but uh yeah i appreciate you having me on again yeah man you're becoming a regular dude i always just like to talk to you man it's like we always we'll text every now and then we were chatting last week just like on the phone and like it's just always fun chopping it up with you you know talking deer hunting but before we got started, uh, recording, we were talking about hunting with a traditional bow. And, uh, and you were saying, cause I was saying to you, I was like, yeah, it's, we were talking about shoulder injuries and just injuries in general. And I was like, yeah, I was like, maybe I've been considering, you know, picking up a traditional bow. Cause maybe it'll be a little easier on my shoulder. Maybe I'd be able to shoot it more often. Um, and I was like, it's something I'd really like to do is like, use that and kill it on the ground in open country with a traditional bow. And you were like, just be ready for some heartbreak, you know, cause you did it for like five seasons. And then you were kind of talking about like, you know, what you went through and, and, and things like that. Like as Fun far break. as like missing deer and you were like, goodness, like I cannot hit, you know, anything you know, at this point. And so I'm just curious, man, like the fact that you hunted it with it for, for multiple years, like was missing those couple deer, like really the reason to kind of hang it up? Because for me, it's like, I, what I was saying before we jumped on here was like, I don't know. You know if you go somewhere like on a travel hunt somewhere wherever it is like nebraska wherever right oklahoma in you know or a place like kansas where you can't draw every year you know mm-hmm. would i be willing to let a good deer walk out of my life because it's not in range and knowing that i can only be there 10 days once every you know, like every two years or whatever right and so that's kind of the rub rub for me but i'm curious kind of what you think right man that's a it's,
2: it's a hard decision to to make i think maybe not everybody gets to that point to where they, you know, want to go after one with a recurve, you know, at some point in their life. But, you know, a lot of, a lot of people do. And, you know, I was, I was no different, um, into that. I grew up, you know, I hunted with a compound and, uh, you know, I had a lot of, a lot of success, um, you know, with that compound, you know, I didn't really, um, fail a whole lot. And, uh, you know, I was, you know, having good success with it. And all of a sudden, I'm just like, you know what? I just, you know, I want to pick up a recurve. And uh, I'm like, you know, this is, this is going to be, you know, this is going to be great. Um, I go out and, you know, this was like the first week. I mean, I just picked up a recurve. It's October the 5th. Uh, it's kind of cloudy. It's windy. Uh, it's got that late October feel to it. I have a crack call in my hand. And, um, I run in like this, you know, 140 inch A pointer to 13 yards and I sail an arrow right over his back. <laughs> and, uh, I'm just like, I'm just like, well now, you know, I really have to, um, yeah, I really got to double down and, and, you know, make this happen. Well, it took me three years to just shoot, to, to kill a deer, you know, with a recurve. I mean, it's, it's hard stuff, you know, you go from, you know, with a compound, you know, I would say generally, you know, anything from 40 yards and in, um, you know, most people are probably going to be okay with, and then, you know, you hop over to a recurve and you're talking about, you know, 20 yards and in. um, I think it's a phenomenal learning curve, uh, learning how to get, you know, 20 yards away from deer. But as you said, you're, you know, you're going to have a lot of heartbreak, um, with that. And if you're fine with that, I would say, you know, go for it. But for me, it kind of got to a point to where there was, you know, three big bucks on public land that I feel like I should really, really have on my wall. And, and I didn't have them um, on my wall after that last one. Um, And it just kind of got to a point for me to where I felt like, I mean, I, I'll just say like the recurve was a little bit too hard for me. Mm-hmm. Um, um, in it, in all honesty, you know, it's not, you have to work harder to get your shot and then whenever you actually get your shot, then you got to make it, right. <laughs> you know, Right. Yeah. Uh, and you know, it was, it, it was this big, long, you know, five year long journey of, you know, learning that and. Uh, learning a lot of valuable lessons, um, you know, from hunting with a recurve. But, um, you know, I I picked up the compound because I, I just wanted to see a little higher level of, of success. But I, I wouldn't take it back, that's for sure.
1: Right. It I'm taught curious. Me a lot right. Like, did it, do you think it made you sharper as a bow hunter, um, the seasons Absolutely. that you used the recurve? Yeah. For sure. Because... Actually, I
2: was at one of those Iowa road shows, and there was a guy that asked a question. He was like, "How do you know how to get to like the right twenty yards? Like, how to get to the right spot? It's like you know, you have this hundred yard swath, you know, that you know deer come through. It's like how do you you know pick the trail or whatever? It's kind of how his question went, and I I, uh, I never did catch up to him, but I I thought I had a pretty decent answer. If you have a weapon that, let's say, you know, know, let's say you have a gun in your hands, Um, you know, you can sit probably anywhere in there and you can, you know, kill whatever deer comes through there. But if you're limited to a weapon, which you can only shoot to 20 yards, then you have to on purposely try to get that deer into 20 yards. So what's, uh, what's that going to do for you? You know, what's going to happen is you're going to have to probably, you know, go in there, scout that, and then, you know, see where exactly those deer are coming through at, and then you're going to have to set up on purpose, you know, for that deer to come through, you know, 20 yards or less. And I'm not going to say you're going to be, you know, right all the time. A lot lot of times you're going to be wrong, but... Um, you know, then you get to, then you get to learn it and then you can be like, sorry, if I'm getting long winded on this one. I don't know if I already kind of made my point, but, um, basically if you can learn how to get like, you know, purposely within, you know, 20 yards or less of deer, that is going to teach you a lot, you know, whenever you have to be that specific with that stuff and, Um, there's also like a fear thing that goes into it too. It's like, you know, I don't want to set up, you know, this close to, you know, trails or, you know, that's too close and whatnot. And so you have to battle, you know, with that a little bit and eventually you, you will get over it and you will start to really, really develop, you know, how to get, you know, really, really close to these things and how to be specific on your sign and your setups and whatnot. And, you know, for those reasons, um, you know, hunting with recurve, you know, I won't take that back.
1: All right, folks, we're back. Sorry, we had some technical difficulty here. You know, technology not being kind to us this evening. But what we were talking about so, was just the uh, using a trad bow and it tightening up like your your skills. And me thinking that it'd be nice if I could learn those lessons without having to use a trad bow. But human nature probably suggests that I'll probably just default to whatever whatever advantages that I have, right? Especially if there's a good gear that's involved, <laughs> you know, <it's> like <laughs> I'm probably not going to purposefully screw myself, you know, whenever I don't have right. to. Um, so I don't know, man, we'll we'll see. You know, I, I'm probably not going to jump right into it now. I've been looking at a traditional bow um, recently and kind of mm-hmm. like perusing the options and stuff like that. Mm. Um, I got a couple buddies who have been getting on me for like the past like year or so. Like, mm-hmm. hey man, when you going to make the switch? My one buddy actually has mm-hmm. a bow and he's like, hey, I got a bow for you. He actually uh, even bought like the the arrow tuning kit last year and was like, "I got a kit. Like we'll make you whoa. arrows. I got a bow. You can you can have. Like, Dang. you just tell me when you want to come over. You know. Uh, and uh, <laughs> so he's hell bent on getting a, a traditional bow in my hand. So mm. you know, I might have to take I might have to take him up on it. But with might that man, you know, you've uh, you yeah yeah. <laughs> it's like if someone's you know willing to do me that solid. And the other thing oh, is yeah. too is like it's <laughs> completely new for me. Like right. I don't know the f- I have a I have two recurves at the house that I shoot once in a while that my dad gave me.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and they're not, I don't have an arrow tune for them. I just go out and fling arrows in the backyard for fun. Right. Um, and uh, you know, so I do, but I don't know the first thing about them. Like yeah, I shoot mm. them, I basically shoot them like I'm throwing a baseball. That's right. how I aim. Like I don't like really aim. I just look at the spot I want to hit. I pull it back and i let it rip. That's oh. how my dad taught me how to shoot it. So I don't know, is that yeah. how you shot or how did you shoot?
2: So, I no, I shot that way, which is you know an instinctive form of shooting you know there there's quite a few ways to to shoot a recurve. I just went for the instinctive one um <clears throat> I tell you what the, about the hardest lesson that I had whenever I was shooting that way is whenever I started shooting a recurve, I was shooting a five hundred grain arrow, and mm-hmm. um. I was shooting everything like right at the top of their back or high. And then like the next air or the next year, like, or actually a couple years later, I went to, it was like a 620 grain arrow or something. And the two deer that I actually killed with the recurve, I killed with that arrow and I hit them, you know, perfect, just torched them. And all of a sudden I started getting to this heavy arrow stuff. And I ended up with an 818 green arrow and I started, you know, shooting everything low. So what I found out with my, um, instinctive journey is that there's like a certain trajectory, just like you're throwing a baseball, you know, there's a certain trajectory that, you know, your brain has in mind, or at least in my mind anyways. And I actually had to find an arrow weight that matched that but. It's like unless I shot at deer, it was hard. It's hard for me to recreate that on a range. Um, mm. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, no, no, <clears throat> it, to, it totally makes sense. I get, I get what you're saying. Like you have, mm-hmm. you have where you think it should land, and like if the things don't match up for you, it's like it's it's a no go.
2: Right. Yeah. Now you know yeah. some people like they shoot point on or string walking and whatnot. I guess that's ways to get away from that, but just for I guess my style of shooting a recurve, um, it, it took me a long time to actually find
1: what matched me in right. that regard. And I've had like, and I've had my buddy on from the push, you know, they, <laughs> those guys are all traditional, you know, and he kind of oh. explained to me like the difference. And some of the stuff just seemed like, I was like, man, it seems like a lot of math and a lot of figuring, yeah. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like I was just like, I don't know that I could, I'm sure once you do it enough it just becomes second nature but i was like i don't know that i would get it like quickly enough you know?
2: right um well three rivers and, and archery dot sorry I, I was gonna no, say go uh, three rivers com. they have a arrow uh, spine calculator um play around with it and you'll understand like arrow spines and you know something about the you know the archer's paradox uh, it, it makes life really simple whenever it comes to all that math stuff as far as matching up your
1: bow to an arrow. That's actually going to be the correct spine. Right. Okay. Interesting. Anyway, we didn't, we didn't jump on here to talk about traditional <laughs> archery necessarily. It was just what you and I started talking about before we even started recording. And I'm always kind of fascinated with guys that have used traditional equipment in the past um, you know, to pick their brain a little bit because it's something I've been kind of like kicking around. But what we're going to talk about now is just basically what you've been having go, you know, what, what's been going on with, with Jace since like basically September. Right. Mm-hmm. And I always, I always enjoy following along with you, man. because just going to be honest, God. man. Like you are, I always kind of refer to you in, in Austin and, um, in Hunter oh. as like the Missouri three. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, because you guys are just like straight killers. I'm always like, I got a 'cause like, I got a couple of buddies in Missouri. that are just like straight killers, man. I was like, you want deer killed? These guys can do it. That was like, oh. <laughs> like, that's just kind of how I refer to you guys, man. Cause, and it's interesting too, cause you guys are all like, you know, you're younger than me and I say younger, yeah. you know, you got you you know you're, you're, you're men, you're adults, but like you're younger right. than me. Like so younger fellows that are just like that get hunting mature deer, like almost beyond your years you know what I mean? Whoa. And you're all just like so good at it. Um, and you both have very similar things that you do, but Whoa. but you're all very different in, in ways. Cause I've had a chance to kind of talk to all, you know, all you guys, you know, right. Um, and little known Getty. things. Like I actually was just talking about my hunts for next year. And uh, I think Missouri is on the list for next year. I think I'm, I think that's where I'm going to head. So I'm going to be coming to your, your neck of the woods just as a, nice. as a heads up. I think I'm like 85% sure.
0: <clears throat> but,
1: um, but I always, always enjoy having you guys on Mm -hmm. and you always have and all you guys always have interesting hunts. Like it's, it's never a dull hunt with you guys. You know what I mean? Like it's always something, something kind of gets wild and like Mm -hmm. you've kind of had that season already. You know what I mean? Like That's what you've been kind of living. Right. so we'll get to, we'll get to your deer. But the first thing I want to get to first is like, you do a really good job of finding your target deer and like outlining Mm -hmm. what, deer you're going to be. And we'll get into like how things kind of played out. So oh, when you're going into this year, like, um, and I'm just yeah. kind of talking about Missouri here, um,
2: uh-huh.
1: and you're going to, and you're looking for the deer you're going to hunt this year. Like, how are you doing that this year? Cause we talked about Kentucky and stuff last year and how you went, went about it. You did a ton of glassing, and kind of found it and like, and all that uh-huh. stuff. How did you go about finding this deer, you know, or the, or your target list, if you will, for this year? You
2: know, I actually, I did a little, Experimenting um, this year for early season, I did not do any summer scouting at all this year. I wanted to um, see how long it took me if I just started September the fifteenth. Um, so the two deer that I end up getting on for early, actually three deer that I end up getting on for early season, I had I had no clue that these deer existed. Um, until I actually started hunting. Actually, I'll take that back. The day before season, so September the 14th, that was the only evening that I went out and scouted. Um, mm-hmm. I did this for a couple reasons. <clears throat> I'm, I've been bad to, in the past, get locked on a deer in like July and, or like June, like I'll see, like this one deer, you know, I think it's going to be, huge and then like i try to watch it all throughout june and all throughout july and then you know sometimes they can change in that later july you know coming into august um time frame and then i'm so you know hung up on one deer it's like i kind of i kind of feel like i go a little bit blind to what's to what's going on around me a little bit and so i wanted to take a little more um, opportunistic approach to this season Mm. and kind of replicate what, what I did in Kentucky, which is just kind of go into, you know, my hunt with an open mind, um, don't have any preconceived notions, um, you know, and, you know, pretty much since the opener, you know, find and, you know, get on these deer and, and hunt them. And, so it and like i said it's been different here from from the last couple years so i didn't have you know a target buck you know starting out you know september 15th um i can definitely tell you that (laughs) this is gonna sound crazy but there's definitely (laughs) benefits to having a having a game plan going in september 15th Um, (laughs) because it took me a little while um right you know my buddy uh charles uh golson he shot a really big buck like opening day like right in the first light and he went through a whole ton of planning um and scouting and you know did all this homework and he was right on top of that deer you know opening morning and he killed it and it's just like you know whenever i started i'm just like You know a little bit you know remind myself you know it's like okay that's 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 why we do that um i don't know why but sometimes i kind of have to remember or like remind myself of um the why's i you know i do things um Mm -hmm. and it's just kind of become a complicated thing to me for where i try to simplify it and then you know like i said i get reminded you know why we do those sorts of things so that's how that's how i started out I know it's probably not the answer you were expecting, but that's that's how we started this year.
1: Right? No, that makes that makes sense, man. And, I can, and and I like that. That's what I always kind of appreciate about you, man. Like that's from the first time you and I kind of met and spoke. You, you have like the deer at the end of the rainbow is just like you know the. I don't, is the, is the intended consequence, but it's just like the natural thing that might happen because of what you're doing. But like the thing that I always kind of dug about your approach was that like you're willing to change things up and manipulate things to learn. Like, and that's Mm -hmm. the part to me that was always, that I always found really cool about how you do things is like, you don't necessarily find one way to do things. And then I'm just going to rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, because I've, was good at this one thing. Like you're willing to kind of move away from like the the ways you found success before to try to find other ways to find success and just be a better hunter overall. Mm -hmm. Even if that means you're going to have some hardships, you know what I mean? Right. And I think that that's super cool, man, because I think it just, it just puts you in a situation to where you see, it's like a quarterback seeing a lot of defense, right? Like if you only Mm -hmm. ever see one defense, how are you ever going to play well against like, you know, uh, right. a zone defense if all you ever played against was a man defense, right? And uh, the only way you get good at it is if you put yourself in that position to see it, right? And so right. you purposefully put yourself in positions of almost disadvantage to have to work out of, you mm-hmm. know, um, which I think is just, I mean, it's awesome, because it's just it makes yeah. you better at your game. At yeah. You do. It, when you have all your faculties, it makes you that much more dangerous.
2: Mm, well, I'm telling you what, I learned a lot this season, and I, there is there's a there's a couple podcasts that, that i listened to before before season and, and this kind of ties in together even even until now but like i i would say just summing all that up the you know my whole early season the one thing that i learned about whitetails and this was something that troy pottinger said he said that deer are daylight sensitive and uh, man you know going in going into the season you know I'm thinking you know I know of all these you know these uh you know these different spots where where bucks are are going to be and you know I kind of I know where some are and I don't know where you know like others are like why they bed there and and whatnot but anyways, I, I get into, um, the chase for my, you know, the first year I chase after, um, come season. Mm-hmm. So I saw him Friday night for the opener and I, I'm going, well, I guess I'll just preface this all with, I I know all of this land that I'm hunting because I've scouted in the spring. I know all this stuff like up, down, left and right, like the back of my hand. So right. I'll just preface it with that. So this isn't like, unfamiliar ground for me
1: you're not going in completely blind you have some you have some intel of like the actual property not necessarily the deer
2: correct and it's just like these these deer are here but it's just like i'm but i'm i knew this before season i'm like i'm missing something i was like i don't know i don't know what it is that that i'm missing and so I started my hunt for this for this first deer, and it was somewhere between 100 and probably a little above 140 inch a pointer. Um, really, framing deer I like the look of them. Um, but I but I started hunting for this deer in this in this tree patch, and um, let's see Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. It was like, see, I think it was like the second morning I set up in there and I can hear something over in this, over in this grass, grass patch over to my left and I can hear uh, there's a deer in there and it's breaking twigs and I can hear, like I thought like antlers hitting, you know, like, you know, brush and whatnot. And mm-hmm. I'm looking at, you know, this spot versus all the other spots that he could possibly bed, you know, that has like, you know, grass or like CRP type stuff around it. And he picked this one patch. I'm just like, I wonder like why he did that? Well, I I've, I've, I found out after hunting this. So I, I got three hunts in on, the, on this deer before the gig was up. Um, mm. The three times that I set up on this deer, I was Right. I, I set up my tree stand and I was like right at 50 yards away from this deer. Um, you know, he was, you know, in, you know, in his bed. Um, mm-hmm. and one evening finally he, he got me and, um, and the gig was up. He, he knew that deer knew he was being hunted, hunted at that point. And so, um, any chance of me like getting, that deer like less than shooting him right out of his bed was probably going to be a no-go at that point. And I figured he would move and he did I actually found him later, but I'll get to that. <clears throat> so I'm like, okay, um, you know, time to go, time to go find a new deer. And I'm wondering like, why is he, you know, bedding in this, in this certain patch and, and I'm like, okay, whatever, you know, move, move along to the, to the next one. Um, so I I go on um this observation set and it's in it's and I'm overlooking this this other grass patch and it's the same kind of grass as where I just came from and I'm just and uh I end up seeing um you know the biggest deer I I went after early season came out of this grass patch and it's going through my head you know deer deer daylight sensitive you know, a little bit in the back of my mind and I'm like, why are these deer bedding in this, you know, this certain kind of grass? And I start thinking about my hunts, you know, that I had in Kentucky with those deer bedding in soybeans. And then it hit me that the kind of grass or the kind of CRP these deer are laying in, it gives them shade because the grass that they're kind of laying in, it's, it's bladed grass and it's, you know, it's fairly thick. Um, so it gives them, you know, the, the blades are rather thick. So it gives them a lot of shade. And then all of a sudden, whenever that hit me and I remember Troy Ponder saying, you know, deer daylight sensitive because of, I know this property, like the back of my hand, all of a sudden, like all these new places that just popped up in my mind for where I could, you know, go potentially find a deer because, you know, of that thing that you know Troy said, deer daylight sensitive. All of a sudden, you know, I know what kind of CRP to go look to go look in. Um, hmm. You know, for uh, for other deer, you know, it's a it's a pattern that's you know that's uh, that's repeatable, Repeat. and you know, it it also right. gives me something you know to cross off the list. Like if there's a certain CRP patch, and it's not the right kind or it doesn't provide shade. You know that's not going to be you know the kind that you know i'm looking for especially whenever it's like 90 degrees out you know these deer are looking for um you know really cool places um i started noticing the same thing other places um, like in some more wooded environments um that i was hunting i heard uh joe elsinger he was talking about um you know deer having like hot weather beds you know versus you know cooler weather beds (laughs) And I think it all still had to do with shade. Um, Mm -hmm. So like at that point, it, it like really like opened up my eyes to, you know, why deer, you know, why these deer are bedding where they bed. Not just that they bed there and that's the end of the story. Now I have the why behind it. And like, that's the kind of stuff that I'm seeking. You know, that's, that's what I'm looking for. That's, that's the kind of information that I can take with me to other states and, you know, replicate the same thing.
1: Right. Like, do you feel like, um, if you wouldn't have taken that approach this year of, you know, just kind of starting from the beginning of the season, as opposed to finding Uh a deer in the summer. Do you feel like you would have came to the same conclusion, or do you think that you wouldn't have seen that, or you wouldn't have recognized that pattern?
2: I I don't I don't think I would have recognized that pattern because, um, hmm. like at that at that point, I'm just worried about what where that deer is and what he's and the what he's doing and the why is kind of go out the window because I don't really think about hmm. like you know those whys whenever I'm whenever I'm like you know, they're hunting that deer at, at that point. Um, you know, it's all about, mm-hmm. you know, like him I- exactly where he's at. And then, you know, what, I, I guess what he's doing. And, you know, mm-hmm. without the whys associated with it. Um, right.
1: And that why is that, what will, is what will ultimately let you kill other deer <laughs> at this point mm-hmm. now, right? It's like yeah. getting the... And that's crazy right. like just that like understanding the yeah. type of grass they want to be in. Like that's pretty granular. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. most people would just kind of probably stop at um CRP. They're seeking shade. Right. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, CRP or they're seeking shade, right? Like not paying attention necessarily to like the grass type and then going, "Oh, where does this grass live on other in other areas on this piece?" You know what I mean? Like right. they probably there too. Right? Like right. that's like that's a level of detail that, that just like unlocks the, the uh-huh. early season mystery in a lot of ways. Right, at least on that piece, you could presume.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I, I tell you what happened. Also, is you know the pieces that are around me. I, you know, there's a lot of other properties that I've gone, I've gone to, and I've done these same things to. You know, I've scoured them. You know, in the springtime, you know, front, you know, the, uh, you know all over, and then all of a sudden, you know, whenever I realized. That and then, you know, deer seeking, you know, shade and that kind of CRP. All of a sudden, I started thinking of, you know, other pieces of public that I've been to with similar CR- mm. CRP patches. And, you know, I went back mm. to them and those are the places that I've been missing all those freaking years. And I'm just like, it's right oh. here in front of my face. How have I been missing this this whole time? Yeah. And so it's, it was just like, you know, an, another... You know level of understanding but um so that was probably one of the coolest things, and you know one of the uh one of the most helpful things that that I learned um, mm-hmm. you know you know just from you know taking that approach um on this season um but this this deer i this so this bigger deer I started. I started hunting. Um, I started. I started hunting him, and I had it. I had him down to probably roughly three or four acres where he spent like all of his time, and it was the biggest, mm-hmm. thickest, nastiest, most shady, you know, CRP patch you could ever imagine. I mean, like the stuff. What was time like, of year?
1: What time of year was this?
2: So this was roughly September the twentieth. through the 20 through the 25th somewhere in there um and so i start hunting this deer and i'm i'm basically like at that point i considered it my job to hunt this deer as aggressively as i can without ever letting letting him know that i'm hunting him is the approach that i took on this deer and it was actually kind of easy to do here every every time that i set up in a tree for this deer which is probably i mean it was pretty much every day call it from september the 20th through october the 6th whenever i end up shooting this other one so i was in there a lot of days hunting um the, I started hunting them and uh, on this one side that, you know, worked with the winds that I was having. And like I said, I was setting up within a hundred yards of him every time he just was not coming out of this, of this patch. Um, especially later on whenever he figured out that he was being hunted and there was other pressure in this area too. Um, there was one evening where I snuck around the backside of this thing. Um, after the wind had changed, it was like south, 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 you know, forever. And then, you know, we got a north and, it, or maybe it was the other way around or something, but it, it allowed me to go um, to the backside of this. And man, I'm telling you what, I this was really my opportunity at this deer because I found where he was coming out of this patch and make it a long, you know, wide circle around to get um, over this bean field. And I followed these trails and these tracks um, and these rubs, a couple of rubs that he was leaving all the way back. And I'm looking and there's like the main patch and there's like a little side patch, like off to the side. And I'm thinking like, you know, man, I'm already back in here. Like this is going to be my opportunity today. Like it, whenever he leaves this tonight, he's going to go this way and he's going to smell me. And he's going to know that, you know, I'm hunting him at that point. Um, so I was like, you yeah, know, this is it right here. And I'm like, do I set up in this tree? I was like, or do I set up in that one, like 30 yards ahead? I was like, uh, I was like, I'm going to go 30 yards ahead and set up in that tree. And I walk about 15 yards. I'm walking on top of this log so I don't make any noise. And all of a sudden, like 15 yards away from me, in this little side patch, this freaking buck stands up and it's just an eruption of grass antlers and you know, brush, um, you know, this antlers hitting off brunch brush and breaking shit. And I'm just like, oh, oh boy, that was <laughs> that was really my opportunity at this one. Oh, and man so I go ahead and I hunt that and I like hunted it the next morning. And while all this is going on, I'm driving in and out of this um, public land every, every single day. And I'm seeing where, you know, pressure is and where pressure isn't. And there's this one place that usually there's like two or three guys, like always hunting this. And for the first week, nobody had hunted it. And I'm like, that's odd. I was like, okay, whatever. And I'm in, you know, I'm in battle with this other deer and like for another week and there's still nobody hunting that. And I'm just like, you know, I'm like I said, still actively hunting this other deer, but I'm just, but like there was an evening where I had the wrong wind to, to hunt that one in the way that I wanted to hunt him at that point, because I didn't blow him out of that patch um but i definitely made things a lot a lot harder um by not right. making the most of that opportunity so i'm you know watch, watching this place there's nobody hunting it there's nobody hunting it finally i'm just like you know what if nobody else is going to hunt this i'm going to um so the first night i i go in there um again this is you know a, a spot that i've been through and i'm like if there's a mature buck in here, he's going to be in, you know, this kind of CRP, what I just learned like a week, you know, like a week earlier. So I knew like how aggressive I could be with it, you know, with that. And, you know, those deer still not get my wind because I, I felt like I had a really good idea where, of, that's where, you know, if there was a deer in there, that's where he was going to bed and, and I was right. Um, that, that evening, um, there's like a 125 inch eight pointer that came out and slid by me at 56. And this other deer that, you know, looked, looked pretty good, you know, you know, plenty good to me, um, stepped Mm -hmm. out also and up and he went up and he started, um, he actually went, came out of his bedding, passed by me and went to a, a bean field, um, that I didn't have access to. Um, and he started feeding out there. And I'm like, it was, a, it was like a northwest wind that day. And I was like, the next time, you know, I, I get a northwest wind, um, I'm going to come in here and, you know, I'm going to try to hunt them. With
0: threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
2: And a couple days goes, goes by, I'm hunting this other deer, and you know I'm not, I'm not seeing it. I'm starting to lose confidence you know, that, that that deer has moved on, that I put too much pressure on him. Um, you know, during that time, you know, I had a couple of decent three-year-olds, um, come through, um, and we get an east wind and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go try out this other buck again, except I'm going to, I'm just going to sit back a little bit. I'm going to see if they use that same bedding and then I'll let, you know, I'll let him, him do his thing. You know, I'm just going to stay back to where I'm not noticed. I'll just let him do his thing. See if he does relatively the same thing. If so then i might not assume this this bedding is is wind-based well i should have because on that east wind he came out used the same trail and i'm just like and i was like all right if he's gonna keep on doing that then i think the next day i had a south wind which if he was leaving his bedding area he would have to be walking you know wind to tail and i was like you know usually mature bucks you know they don't you know, usually screw up like that, but I was like, but you know, the, these deer at, at this at this point they, they're still unpressured, um, mm-hmm. so they don't know they're being hunted yet, and I'm and I'm just like, you know, maybe it maybe it works, and I go hunting on a south, and I don't see anything. I'm like, okay, that was a terrible idea. <laughs> like back to the <laughs> original back to original plan. I'm gonna wait on my northwest wind, and I'm gonna get in there, and. I had to wait six days on uh, the next time I had a northwest wind, which is it's really, really hard to do on public land to wait that long to go hunt a spot because it's such an obvious spot. There's you know quite a few people out early season. you know somebody could go in there, mm-hmm. blow it up, and then I wouldn't have a chance, but that's not something I can control. And right. so I just ha- I can only control what I you know what I can. Um so in that time frame, you know, I'm still hunting the southern deer. I hunted one evening, I'm pretty sure that I saw that big one I was chasing. And I I but I was like, I was kind of unsure. And then, you know, I didn't I didn't see him throughout that whole, you know, next couple of days. I'm like, man, I, I just don't know, you know, if this deer is in here at this point. And this is kind of unlike me, but I'm just like, man, I got to know if this thing's in here. And so I've, I've done something that I haven't, that I haven't done before. Um, my buddy Charles, he's really good at wind bumping stuff. And so this is what, and so this is what we decided to do. I was like, just so I know. That, you know, this deer isn't in here anymore. I'm going to set up where I saw that, you know, deer coming out. And, you know, he's going to wind bump it. We're going to see what happens. And you can already see where this is going wrong. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, so, um, my buddy, he starts, he starts wind bumping this this patch. And I have quite a few deer come out and they come out, you know, on this trail, um, next to me and I should have moved closer to the trail. Um, except for some reason I didn't. And, and all of a sudden, you know, he's been bumping it and I hear just, you know, it sounded like a bulldozer going through this brush and I'm like, oh my gosh. And this deer comes out on the same trail, all these deer, all these other deer coming out and I shoot. And honestly, I I have no idea where that arrow went, but I was just in absolute panic because this deer stepped out and this is like, you know, it's one of my, you know, one of my dream bucks. You know, I knew that the first time I saw him, I was like, this is a, you know, this is a special, you know, this is a special deer. I really, really wanted him. Um, And I kind of let that get you know, get to me a little bit. So anyways, I fire a shot and I, I have no idea where that arrow went, but I missed him. And at that point, um, you know, with my, with my buddy, um, you know, going through that area and actually walking through that bedding area, I knew that he wasn't coming back. You know, he's not going to leave this entire area, you know, permanently, but he's, he's going to move. And so, I'm kinda sitting there, I'm licking licking my wounds over that one and it's like, you know, three o'clock in the evening and I'm like, it's a Northwest wind. I was like, I like, well, I guess I'm gonna go hunt my other deer and so I leave there and I'm just like, I'm just like, why did they even shoot? And I was like, I, I don't even know. I was just like so upset over that. <laughs> right. You're going still, You're
1: going through like all the things we think about when uh, we make a really bad uh, mistake and you're like, my, like, what am I doing? You know, it's right. like, I'm, I'm just like, yeah, that's,
2: that's uh, not, that's not like me. You know, I, I've always tried to practice really good, you know, shot selection. And, you know, I'm thinking about these things as I'm, you know, getting all my gear in, you know, go in on you know, this next, this next hunt, and I get set up in a tree, and um it was a cold front, you know, northwest wind, and I'm sitting there in my tree, and it's, you know, roughly, you know, 40 minutes before dark, you know, 45 minutes before dark, I, I hadn't been sitting there too long, and all of a sudden, I look over, and in this, in this CRP patch, um, this my number two buck, he stands up and I'm like, I'm like, well, here we go. And I'm sitting there in my tree and I'm watching this deer. He's making a rub like super aggressively. And I noticed something else too, is that he was by himself at that point. So like he had like in that area, like he was the most mature deer. He was the most aggressive. You know, he was the top dog in there and he knew it too. And I could tell just by, you know, his demeanor um, and, you know, how he was, you know, how he was like rubbing this tree. I mean, just really, really getting after it. You know, to the point where I considered there was almost twice that I got out of my tree and, you know, went over and tried to put a stalk on him because the deer was at like at 60 yards. Um, But I was like, man, you know, if I get down, you know, I have a, you know, I'm going to really be at a disadvantage here. Um, but I knew he wasn't going to come my way I knew he was going to go north you know towards this bean field I'm just like I got to do something I was like I was like I got to get that deer over here and I looked earlier you know around my tree stand just for a calling situation and if there's a deer you know out that way and if they're looking back my way they can't they couldn't they're not able to see if there's actually a deer standing underneath my tree or not, because there was, you know, some more cover, you know, in and around where I was. So if he wanted right. to come, you know, take a look, I knew he'd have to get close. And this is the first time I've ever done this, but I'm like, you know what? It's a really good time to try out a snort weas. I've never tried it out before, but it just seems like the right time. <laughs> um
1: (laughs) so no time like the present right (laughs)
2: no no time like the present and so i snort wheeze at this deer and so this deer is like directly west of me and i snort wheeze and he looks in my he like snaps his head like back over in my direction he's like did i just you know hear what i thought i heard and all of a sudden he snaps his head back forward and he disappears and he goes north. Hmm. I'm like, I'm like, okay, well maybe he was just like, not interested. Like he's going to go up to this bean field and start feeding. Hmm. And I'm looking over there. I'm looking over there. And I don't know how the hell this deer snuck around me and got on the other side of me. But all of a sudden I heard something to the east of me and I looked and this deer is like, kind of like halfway trotting in and he's like 30 yards away or like 25 and I'm just like holy crap and so I grab my bow real quick and I I stand up and you know I get I get a really good look at the deer at this point I'm like I'm like damn he's actually bigger than I thought and I range down the trail that he was walking down and he was at and the trail he was walk, walking at is like right at 38 yards. And I click 38 on that trail. And, I, and I'm and i looking down to clip onto my D loop. And all of a sudden he's standing there in my shooting, in my one shooting lane that way. Um, he's staying there looking broadside. And I draw my bow back and I get my pin close to him and he starts moving again away to away from me. So he starts to, turning to the left a little bit more. And I, you know, let out a big, you know, Matt and he stops and he like, kind of looks back and I'm like, man, that's a really hardcore and away shot. But I was like, but I think I can make that. And, and I start to pull through, um, you know, my, my release. And just as I'm doing that, like he's, He's moving at that point, And I'll be honest, part of, there was a little voice in my brain that said, he's too far cord away now, don't shoot. But it was like, like right at that split second, I also shot. And right. the arrow looked good up, up and down. But I thought it was definitely farther forward than when I wanted it. And this arrow made a huge smack. And this deer, like, takes, like, three, like, stumbling steps, like, falls over on its side. The deer gets back up, goes through some more brush, like, falls over on its side again, gets back up, does the same thing, falls over, finally gets up and then takes off. And I'm like, Hmm. that is not good. You know, if a deer runs a certain ways and then falls over, you know, that's good. But if they're, you know, doing that and then they get up and take off, you know, with that smack that I heard, I'm like, that's that's not good.
1: What was your, when you, with that initial shot, like, mm, what was your initial thought that you hit? Like, just by the sound of it?
2: I thought best case scenario was that I got close to that shoulder bone, and it stuck up like into um, the ribs, but I thought like best case scenario, like one lung because he was quarter right. quarter away, and I was forward. um So we hop on the trail um, the next morning, and you know he's not he's not dead and you know his first five beds, and then, all of a sudden, this deer, he, um, he, like the next place we take the blood trail, he goes like 800 yards across this wide open field, you know, to like the next piece of cover and, you know, which is private. And I got to get permission to go look over there. I look over there, um, nothing. The next day, I'm out, you know, at, at this point, I'm not sure if this deer is dead or alive. You know, I got, I got people telling me, you know, that deer is alive, you know, he'll be fine. You know, you should go, you know, start hunting another deer. And, uh, and I'm just like, you know, I, I don't know, you know, I'm going to do everything I can, you know, for, for this thing here. And, you know, the next day, you know, it's so like two days after the shot, um, you know, I'm looking for buzzards and, you know, I'm not, I'm not seeing anything. Um, you know, no sign of the deer at that point, you know, after that day, I checked absolutely everything that I had access to, which was everywhere where I think the deer, you know, could have gone or at least most of it. And a day, let's see, the next day comes around and, and I drive out there and, you know, I don't see any buzzards or anything. And I'm just like, I, I guess this deer is still alive. Well, you just had this podcast with Austin over the wide one and meanwhile he shot the wide one and so I'm helping him um track this deer and then uh there was like a new there was a new guy that was coming in to hunt he pulled up right at the time that I get a text message Um, so this was four days after the shot I get a text message that there's been a dead buck found in that general vicinity and I go over there and this this new guy that just rolled in I'm like I like it this might be my deer that's dead over here and then the new guy was like oh yeah is that where I saw like all those buzzers buzzards driving in this morning and I'm like you've got to be freaking kidding me jeez and so I go over there and you know, sure enough, it's, it's him. Um, definitely was not a good feeling because that deer just simply died from exposure. Um, Mm -hmm. I just basically smashed his elbow and like right the pocket of that, um, that elbow right there. And essentially I I had basically like completely taken his leg off. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I didn't get to do any sort of you know, autopsy to see if that broadhead made it up into the, in the chest cavity at all. Um, But, you know, that deer either, you know, just died from exposure, died from dehydration or starvation or something. Um, Right. But it was like a, uh, it was really slow and painful for him. Um, Yeah, I I know. I
1: I don't like that. In talking, yeah, I know in talking to you, like, you know whatever it was last week and then reading your post like i knew it had to like you you know you had mentioned specifically in the post that's that like it wasn't the way you wanted it to go down you know no. and that's like the one thing i always appreciate appreciate about you man is like you like you have a uh, um like there's a moral compass that you have that you actually care about the animal like there's plenty of hunters that are just like kill it at any cost right like and, right. and we've all met those met those guys you know Um, and look, it's like whatever floats your boat. Right. I, I, I just, I don't necessarily get down like that. And so I was feeling for you, man. Cause like, you know, most people will be elated that like, Hey, I got my buck. Right. Right. So there's a part of you that's like, yeah, I filled my tag. Like, you know, he's, he's dead. I found him. Like that's part of the battle is finding him. Right. It's like, you just want to find him, you know, to put, put to just for like, get closure on it. Right. But there's also like a point like whenever you're an ethical hunter, you know, and, and you care about the, the, the animal and the resource, like there mm-hmm. is a certain way you want to, there is a certain way you want to do it, you know? Right. Um, and so I just got a lot of, a lot of respect, um, uh, for you and, and how much time you spend like looking and cause a lot of people would have cut bait 12 yeah, hours into they, that and been like, eh, right. I'm going go to go into my next year. You know what I mean?
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I, I absolutely, you know, hated that. You know, I take a lot of, you know, a lot of pride, you know, care for, at least I try to take a lot of pride and care for these deer. I've been doing a terrible job of it this year. Um, you know, after, you know, making that first bad decision, you know, uh, others have, you know, led after that. And, and you know, I I'll, I've kind of always been a firm believer, you know, there's there's just a lot of ways that, you know, a, a deer can die out in the wild and none of them are, are good. Um, mm-hmm. If I can give a deer a, a quick, fearless death, that's about the best that they're, that, that's the best that they're going to um, experience. You know, so if I can kill a deer, you know, very quickly and they don't know they're being hunted, so they were never scared that's, that's as good as it gets for me, you know, personally. Um, right. And you know, that, and you know, that, uh, that did not happen. So.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I know what you're saying, man. Like the, um, um, there's a little part of me, uh, from the, the, the hunt in Kansas where, Uh, you know, the first shot I made was fatal. Right. Like, and I found mm -hmm. that out after like we did the, you know, pulled the cape off and, like, did the autopsy and stuff like that. You know, was able to see like, what the arrow did and what, the first arrow, right? But, hey. you know, anyone who listened to the story, I know I, you and I talked on the phone and I kind of gave you the breakdown how everything went down and how I had to kind of, like, walk him down and I put one more, one more in him, right? Uh-oh. Like, even though I was trying to get that deer, that deer killed, Right. there was a part of me that was dying, like, while I was trying to kill him because, <laughs> like, he knew. Yeah. I was trying to kill him, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. like right, he, he knew that I was like he didn't he didn't know the difference between me being a coyote or whatever. he just <laughs> knows that the thing that's behind me that I can smell that's walking toward me is going to try to kill me, you know right, and that kind of that ate at me a little bit, not gonna lie, you know what I mean yeah like, it, it certainly yeah. did, so mm-hmm. I totally understand the feeling man, and like the way you said it, like to give them a quick, fearless like the point being like the word that stood out to me was fearless death right Uh-oh. and and i wasn't i wasn't able to do that either and and i hate right that, you know yeah so you know i don't know call me soft or call me whatever anyone wants to call me man but you know right
2: that's yeah just how it
1: feels.
2: <clears throat> yeah and i mean <clears throat> i i i might have got kind of kind of nasty towards some of my friends maybe i did maybe i didn't i, I can't really remember but after I was, you know, standing there looking over that deer, um, somebody had mentioned, it, they're like, well, you better go, you know, get your bow and your stand and uh, we'll take pictures of them. Uh, like, that is the last thing that we're doing here is going to take a bunch of freaking beauty pictures of this thing. Right. You know, for for advertising or, or, or something. It just right. it w- was not the right time for that. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah yeah you but know so, some people man, like uh, sorry when you look back no that's okay um when you look back on it now though right like you know because like the, that's the, like i said earlier like that's the one stop thing stop. That I, you know reasons why stop. i enjoy talking to you is because like you're very um reflective right like hey. that's the one thing that like i totally dig about the conversations that we always have like they're very thoughtful stop. and you spend time thinking about how things not just like the hunt uh, and like uh, how you're gonna like pursue a deer and where it might live and, you know, find the, the type of grass it wants to live it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah. like that granular, right? Like you, it, it goes beyond that for you. Like you think back on the hunt, you know, and you reflect on decisions you made outcomes, uh-huh. how they could have been different, like what you uh-huh. could have done differently, how you could have been better. How do I be better the next time? Like, and I just think that that's like so important, not just for growth as a hunter, but it shows that you, it shows that you really care about what you're doing. Right. And so I'm just curious for you, like when you think back on it now, you know, or the times that you have since, since the hunt, like what are the things that you'll take from this like forward as like either learned lessons or, you know, things you might need to do differently the next time or that like, you know, I know for me, there's been certain things where I'm like, man, I will never do that again. Like whatever right. I do, it won't be that, you know? So I'm just curious, like what it is for you to like, <laughs> think about it, like, and try to take a positive out of it. I mean, the positive yeah. is yes, you filled your tag, but like a more of like a moral or ethical or whatever positive out of it.
2: Right. I mean, it's going to be, I don't, <clears throat> I don't know why it's like now I'm going back to lessons that I learned in the beginning of my hunting career that are coming back to visit me. But, you know, very specific shot selection is one thing that has made me, you know, very successful. And for some reason this year, whether it be, you know, you know, pressure, you know, um, you know, external pressure or whatever that is, you know, for some reason, I've lost some of that touch and I've gained a little bit of greed um, you know, in my, in my shooting and, you know, that can lead to a lot of things, you know, that can lead to, you know, that can lead to, you know, something, you know, like target panic, you know, if all you're thinking is, you know, going through your head is, you know, oh, I have to, you know, shoot before, you know, this deer gets away, you know, or it's going to get away, you know, I have to shoot now, you know, those aren't ever things that, you know, made me successful in the past. Um, And it's, it's turned into, you know, some bad decision-making, um, and, you know, just taking shots that, you know, I, I shouldn't take, um, you know, it, you know, in the past, you know, I, I, you know, I let the deer, you know, cut its own throat. If I don't get a really good shot on that animal, then, you know, I, you know, generally, you know, I, I don't take it, you know, sometimes I, I push them, you know, and honestly, it's worked out okay for me, you know, a lot of the times. Um, mm-hmm. but for some reason this year I've been pushing a lot of stuff and it has not turned out well. So, um, mm-hmm. that's something that I'm going to have to, you know, keep in mind moving forward is, you know, I, I've seen it happen to people before where, you know, they have a couple misses and then all of a sudden, you know, they have, you know, those misses turn into more misses and, and, you know, more, you know, bad decisions, and they just kind of get into this, you know, some people call it a slump, you know, with shooting deer, Um and I, you know, there's not going to be, you know, a slump, you know, happen to me, you know, I'm, you know, like, essentially, you know, the slump is, like, up to me, you know, whether it happens You know, or, or not, it's not just like this thing that, you know, just, just happens, you know, it's your decisions that you make, you know, the plans that you have, um, you know, you know, something as simple as, you know, practicing, you know, good shot selection, you know, maybe I don't end up with that deer, you know, maybe I do, but, you know, I, I would have avoided, you know, that deer, you know, just, you know, basically, you know, suffering for four days, And that would have made me feel a lot better. So, you know, those are the things to, you know, look forward to, you know, going into um, next year. And and I mean, the remainder of this season also, you know, because, you know, we got a lot of season left here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the, uh, you know, I I know you take it hard, man. But like, you know, I would I would say um, you do a great job otherwise, you know, like. It's okay to give yourself a little grace, you know, right. <laughs> like nine times out of 10, you know, it's like, you're, you're doing, you're doing the right thing. And, and it happens to all of us. And then in the, in the moment, none of us want to hear that. You know, it's like, I hit one in Missouri right. a couple years ago and lost it, you know, and yeah, had plenty of people say to me, you know, Hey man, you know, that's bow hunting. You and, and I get it. Like, you know, it's, ha- it right. wasn't the first time it ever happened. Actually, that was the first time I ever lost a buck. Like wasn't the first deer I yeah. had lost, but it was the first time I had lost the buck. And, Ooh. you know, and they say, you know, it happens to everybody. Right. And yeah, I, I get it, you know, but like, at the same time, right. like, that's not something you want to hear in the moment. You know what I mean? You're like, no, like I get it, but like, no, like it doesn't make me feel any better right now to know that yeah. it's happened to other people. Like, right.
2: Yeah. 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 I mean, exactly what you said, you know, sure. It happens to, to other people, but at, at, you know, at the, at the end of the day, it's something that is something that was within my control that, you know and therefore that could have been avoided um right you know whether it's just you know the nature of the beast or, or not
1: right yeah oh nature of the beast that was that was good I <laughs> like how that, you turned that, yeah. that phrase there like that, that. <laughs> like, <laughs> did, did you do that on purpose or was that did it just happen
2: uh, it just kind of happened a little bit on purpose. You know, you gotta, you gotta plug yourself every once in a while, I guess. You gotta do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man.
1: Um, so you have a lot of so, season left, man. Like, so what's, so what's your plan now, dude? Like, what do you, I know you and I had talked a little bit about it. I know you're like in the midst of gun season, yeah, you had yeah. some, some Western, Western stuff that, you know, when I say Western, like kind of crazy yeah. stuff that happened, but you know, what are you, uh, what's your plan for the rest of the, uh, rest of the year? So
2: for the, for the rest of the year, um, actually I have some, I have some good days coming up here. Um, so tomorrow's Thanksgiving that we have Friday and Saturday, which are, or which is the, the right wind that I need to go hunt, um, a funnel over in Illinois. And this is a, um, this is a Bobby Worthington inspired funnel to the backs Um, I listened to a bunch of his podcasts, um, you know, whatever he starts talking about, you know, really, really tight funnels, you know, a bunch of trails Mm -hmm. going through there. Um, I tried, I tried also putting a scrape in there. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, that was, you know, inspired by Troy Pottinger. That's something I've also been getting into this year also. But, um, uh, the scrape didn't do too well because it's just not set up for that kind of, uh, for that kind of a thing, or maybe it's just the phase here in the last couple of weeks. Um, but, uh, but I am excited to, uh, to go hunt this, this funnel. Um, okay. So that's going to be Friday or Saturday that I'm sitting in there um, all day. And if a deer comes through there, it's going to be about 20 yards or less. So I should have a really good shot. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> so that's, that's what awesome. I have to look forward yeah. to. Here, here right. in the next you That's, know week or so. Nice.
1: But, and then uh, anything, what's up for Missouri the rest of the uh the
2: rest of the year? So for Missouri the rest of the year, um I still have one tag and I can talk about it a little bit if you want me to, but I really, really tried to uh, to have that that uh, tag filled already, but that has also not gone well. Um <laughs> yeah. you know we're still in yeah. We're, uh, we're still in our rut phases, um, mm-hmm. so I'm going to be looking um, to capitalize, you know, something here, you know, hopefully after Illinois, um, I can go back to Missouri and uh, try to find something while our rut's still going on. It, you know, if not, I'll be looking forward um, to late season uh, hunting hunting here in Missouri, um, which is, you know, going to be trying to find, you know, deer coming you know, back to areas that they were in, you know, previously, you know, before rifle season, um, you know, find deer coming back to food. Um, it's an awesome time of year. I, I'm definitely looking forward to that for sure.
1: Right. Yeah. I always look, I mean, I like late season. Like I have a love hate relationship with late season um, uh-huh. because usually this is one of the few years of like, I'm not still holding at least one tag. You know, that's, right? That's burning yeah. a hole in my pocket, right? And then, uh, um, it and I don't have great food sources around me necessarily uh-huh. to kind of play the like the late season food source game. Um, uh-huh. But I that's the part that I hate about it. Um, right? What I love about it is that everyone's pretty much out of the woods for the most part, yeah. at least around yep. around here, right? It's like you kind of it uh-huh. gets back to like people are done. They hunted the Super Bowl during the rut and the pre-rut. You know, and then anyone who was hunting gun season came out, like, the first, like, three days, and then it kind of quiets down, right? And then when you get into late season, it's like, you know, it's almost a ghost town. Um, and so I love it for that reason, but I've just never been able to figure out any of the parcels around here for a late season just because there's not, like, a destination food source that I can say, like, I know they're going to try to go here, right? And so right. it becomes a little bit of a harder harder game, um, mm. you know? So, so this year will probably just be starting, like, early scouting during late season is probably what I'm going to start doing.
2: Yeah. yeah yeah there's uh i i've also started using trail cameras this um this year which uh which has been really really fun um there was one trail camera that i I'm kind of gonna base my late season hunting around which I uh, might be a dumb idea but um uh, basically there's a lot of uh red oaks in this one area, mm-hmm. and I was learning that apparently some of the i guess deer um, they wait on some of these red oaks for them to freeze a couple of times because it makes the tannin, uh, content lower in acorn. So it's like less bitter. I thought that was really interesting. Really? Yeah.
1: Oh, damn. And I didn't know that. Where'd, you pick that. where'd you pick that up at?
2: Uh, actually my brother, because I was, I was hmm. asking him, him about it because I, I, I think, I think tannin is poisonous to cows. Um, hmm. And so he actually knows quite a bit quite a bit about that, um, which hmm. which is really interesting, um, is but it interesting. makes sense because there' was a lot of red acorns in this area, and there we had a ton of deer in there late season, we we're like, they gotta be eating those acorns, you know mm-hmm. so yeah. I think that's I think that's interesting, so that'll be something that I kind of explore um, in the late season also we're pretty nice. pretty excited about that
1: awesome man well i hope you uh i hope that funnel that uh bobby worthington pinch that you're going to sit in i hope it works out for you i hope you kill him in there and uh and uh you know and uh feel good about your shot that way you just end on a high note with with Mm -hmm. that that's what i'm cross crossing my fingers for and then i hope Mm -hmm. you come back and you get a slammer there in in late season in missouri man and then hopefully fingers crossed you know i might be out your neck your neck of the woods uh uh, your neck of the woods next year. And maybe we'll get to party together. How about that? So,
2: sounds great. Let's do it.
1: <laughs> awesome, man. Hey, I've been, I've, I've held you here for a little over an hour, brother. I want to be sensitive to your time because I know you're with with family and we got the holiday and stuff like that. So I want to make mm-hmm. sure you get some time with them. Um, before I let you go though, let people know where they can follow you and uh, anything I, you got going I, on that you want to make them hip to.
2: Sure. So my name's Jason Allen. You can find me on Facebook. Um, also have an Instagram with my lovely Instagram handle that I mentioned earlier, Nature, nature of the Beast. Um, I got a couple uh YouTube episodes out, out there um on the Whitetail Addictions uh YouTube channel. Um my Kentucky buck from last year and then the season before, um where I shot three three archery bucks that were roughly around 140. Um both you know i think they're decent episodes you know go get them go get them a watch
1: (laughs) awesome man well hey brother i appreciate you coming on and uh happy thanksgiving to you and uh i look forward to talking to you soon yes sir all right folks that is a wrap today's show i'd like to thank all of you for listening and if you haven't yet please head over to itunes and leave us a five-star rating and be sure to subscribe to the podcast And while you're at it, head over to YouTube and give us a sub there as well. I'd be super appreciative if you do those couple things for me. And before I shut this thing down, we need to give a big shout out to our partners who continue to help us make this podcast possible. Tethered, Exodus Outdoor Gear, and Genesee Beer. And until next time, we'll see y'all.